Good morning. I'm apparently a permanent resident here, and uh, um, appreciate that. Um, it's different being up here right now in a different situation. People all spread out. And I'm afraid if I clear my throat, six people are going to run out the back door. Um, it's a little different. It's a little different right now. Um, but I'm just, I'm so glad to be here this morning and just so glad to be with everybody. Uh, just a, a wonderful spirit in the place this morning. And I just, I, I just love that. I've missed being with you guys. Um, and I know we're not all here today and hopefully someday soon we can be, but I just really appreciate that. I do want to just, uh, open with a word of prayer here. Um, Carol Hansen came up to me beforehand and told me that her brother Willie just had a back surgery. Uh, is having some struggles right now with his legs, um, with the feeling there and, and what's going on. So we want to pray healing and restoration over him. But I just wanted to uh, give an opportunity. Anybody else have any prayer requests that we can cover uh, this morning? Well, I'll take that too. 50 years. Wow. 50 years. That's great. Even through quarantine. Made it all the way through. Well, praise God. Praise God. That's great. Well, will you go to, to prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be here. God, we don't take that for granted. Lord, that we can gather together and, and come together as a, as a body to worship you. God, I just pray that you will be with us here this morning. God, let your presence fall heavy in this place. God, I pray for God, for Carol's brother, Willie. Oh, God, with his surgery, Lord, we just pray for healing and restoration there, God, for quick and long-lasting healing, Lord, in his legs, that he will come through this and be stronger than he was ever before, God. We just pray for your mighty hand to touch him, Lord. And we pray that, uh, that it will be obvious to him that it was you that did the healing. God, make it be obvious to him and that the glory will go to you because of that healing. Father God, we just... Stand in the gap for him here this morning, God, and we pray for that whole family and just to give them strength, give them courage to to speak that that healing out, Lord, and just to uh, to acknowledge you when it does come. Father God, we pray that you will be with all of us here today, all of those who can't be here for whatever reason. Lord, we pray for Pastor as he's away right now. We pray that you will give him safe travel, Lord, keep him safe through uh, everything that's going on these days. Lord, we just pray that you would just bless him and give him a time of refreshing there. Lord, we pray for everyone who can't be here because of physical reasons or um, COVID restrictions. God, we just pray that you will just bless them wherever they're at, God. Lord Jesus, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, we're living in kind of a strange time right now. I'm not going to use the word unprecedented because that drives me insane. Um, it's, it's precedented, okay? It's been happening for months. We've set a precedent. It's fully precedented. But we've got a lot of weird things going on right now, and, um, and it's hard to keep our regular routines, to keep doing what we do, to keep anything normal in our lives right now, because things are just so different. And it doesn't matter who you are. Everybody has been affected in some way or another by this. Some people have been working from home. Some people have lost their jobs. Uh, you know, even if you're 
working exactly like you were before, things are different. I mean, we couldn't get haircuts for a while. We couldn't go to church for a while. We couldn't go to restaurants for a while. There's just a lot of things that have changed. It's affected everybody at least a little bit. When you go around now, people are wearing masks at the grocery stores and, and different places, and some people are very fearful, and some people are just the opposite and just winging around like nothing's going on. It's a different time right now because this virus that is going on. And I'm not usually one. My, my least favorite part of writing a sermon is coming up with a title because I don't think I'm very good at it. But today I'm pretty happy with my title. And the title is Drawing Close from six feet away. So this morning, I want to talk about how we can continue to grow in our relationship with Jesus during this coronavirus quarantine time. Typically, at this point in the sermon, I would probably tell a coronavirus joke. But if I did, we'd have to wait 14 days to see if you get it. So I'm not going to do that. Okay, coronavirus jokes are not allowed, unless they're inside jokes, then they're okay. And this is what we do, because when we get into that comfortable spot, we don't depend on the comforter. And I wanted to be dependent on my comforter to make me comfortable, not myself to make me comfortable. So through this whole thing, I, I feel like we've all had a little more free time. Some of us have had a lot more free time. And it doesn't really matter who you are. Um, some people are working from home, like I said, or you know, some people have lost their jobs. Um, no matter what, something has happened. You weren't able to go to your restaurant that you enjoy going to. A lot of things were canceled or closed. You couldn't go shopping. You couldn't go uh, get your haircut. Something. You've gained some time somewhere. And my question is, what did you do with the time that you gained. So based on what I've seen on social media, a lot of people did projects at home, a lot of people fixing up their house, a lot of people doing yard work, cleaning up uh, around the house, uh, doing housework, whatever, painting, all kinds of stuff. I worked from home. I just returned to the office on Wednesday for the first time in three months. I worked from home for three months and it almost killed me. That was, I'm like... You get up in the morning, you go 10 feet, you take a shower, you go 10 feet to your desk, then you get done, and you go 10 feet to the couch. And I'm like, holy buckets. I did not enjoy it. One thing that I did do, uh, they still required me to take an hour lunch, and I had to punch out for it. And I'm going, I'm at home. It will take me six minutes to eat lunch. I don't need an hour. So I started doing other stuff on my lunch hour. I started going for a walk or riding my bike. I got my bike out for the first time in I don't know how long. I did yard work. I did a bunch of that kind of stuff. But the very first day that I was home working, I set up my computer and everything in the dining room. And I have a little fan, and I, I put it under my desk because I don't put it on my desk because it blows in my uh, phone. And uh, so I put it underneath. And I turned it on. And I immediately started sneezing because I got a face full of dust. And I looked under there and I'm like, holy buckets. This, you know, if you've got wood floors, they get very dusty. And there was like this big clot of dust in the corner there. So I got my little dust buster out and I sucked that up and I 
turn the fan on. And the next couple of days, I start looking around, and I'm going, man, these wood floors are dusty. You know, and the edges and everything. You know what I'm talking about? If you have hardwood, you, you get dust. And I'm sitting there going, these things need to be cleaned more often. And I thought about it for a few days. <laughs> and I sat there going, what am I going to do on my lunch break? And what am I going to do now that I can't go anywhere in the evening and I don't have worship practice on Wednesday night? And, you know, and I said, you know what? I, I've got the time. I've got to do, these floors need to be cleaned twice a week, vacuumed or dust mopped or something, twice a week. They've got to be done. So I got fed up one, one day at work. I punched out for lunch. I ate my lunch. I walked into the living room. I got my computer out. I looked it up. I did a little research, and I ordered an automatic robot vacuum <laughs> that I can program to clean my floors twice a week. That's exactly what I did. Now, just because I had the time doesn't mean I was willing to put in the work. I didn't want to do it. And what's nice about some of those things is in this day and age, we can buy some of that stuff to do those things for us. But there is nothing that we can buy to build relationships, not with people and not with God. How many people spent more time with your family during the quarantine here? Anybody? People that you live in the same house with. Spent more time with them. How'd that go? <laughs> A lot of laughter there. Sure you did. If, you have, if you're spending more time at home and the people you live with are spending more time at home, it's only natural for you to spend more time with them. It would be weird if you went up and said, listen, kids, I'm not used to seeing you from 8 to 5, so go away until 5 o'clock. That would be weird. It would be weird if you didn't spend more time with the people that you live with during this time. So wouldn't it also be weird if you didn't spend more time with the person who lives in you during this time? It scares me to know that... Uh, a lot of people that I know have a lot more free time, yet their time in the Word of God and their time alone with God has not gone up at all. And I'm talking about real relationship building, face-to-face -face time. You see, you can buy a vacuum that cleans your house for you, but I can't buy anything that's going to build my relationship with Jesus. Sure, there are tools and things you can buy to help you do that, but you've got to put in the time. It amazes me sometimes how some people read 10 books about what other people say about the Bible, but they never pick up the Bible. They'll listen to people talk about it on YouTube and everything, but they don't ever actually crack the book and look for themselves. Use the tools to help you, but go to the source to confirm it. I said things are different at church now. I never ask questions to people. So I'm going to break it. I'm going to do it. Steve, I have a question for you. And this is, this is the easy questions, okay? okay? A couple weeks ago, pastor asked you how long you've been married. 27 years. So would you say that you know your wife? Okay. Would you say you know your wife better than I know your wife? Hope so. 
Now, what if I told you that somebody wrote a book about Suzanne, and I read it? Do you still know her better than I do? What if I told you that I've watched hundreds of hours of YouTube videos of people talking about Suzanne? Do you still know more about her than I do? Absolutely. Why? Because you live with her. You've got a relationship with her. You interact with her on a daily basis. And you have for a number of years. Now, I don't think anybody's written a book about you. Don't freak out. I'm not watching you. That was just a, just a thing. But what is it about that we can sit there and say, okay, God, I'm going to get to know you by having somebody else tell me who you are. Instead of actually saying, okay, that's great. You can help me learn who he is, but then I'm going to go pick this up and I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to spend time in prayer and I'm going to talk to him. Not just learn about him, but really learn who he is. We have to have knowledge of who he is, but we have to have a relationship to him. We need that, that experience, that personal experience. If you had to have a surgery, would you rather have a surgeon who has four medical degrees and has never done a surgery, or one who has one medical degree and has done thousands of surgeries? You want the experience, not just the knowledge. Now, you want the knowledge. I don't want somebody without a degree that just enjoys doing surgery. That's weird, too. But you've got to have the knowledge and the personal experience. My question is, how much time are you spending with Jesus right now? Because we don't always realize when God is teaching us something or training us for something that's still to come. And I want to take a look at, at one of these times in the Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, it's a pretty familiar story to everybody. It's David and Goliath. And as the story goes, David was out tending a sheep. And his father asked him to take provision to his brothers who were out fighting. Uh, they were fighting the Philistines. So he went down the front lines and he saw this giant of a man come out. And Goliath came out. And this guy was insulting the Israelite armies. And he was insulting their God. And his response, David's response was, are you guys going to let him talk about our God that way? And they just stood there. And he said, is anybody going to step up and fight this guy? But no one would. Not any of the soldiers, not King Saul. King Saul even then tried to bribe them and said, hey, if any, whoever defeats this guy will get great riches and they'll get my daughter's hand in marriage. And still nobody. And David's going, seriously? He's saying this about God? That's not enough for you? And now you're offered this other stuff and it's still not enough for you? 1 Samuel chapter 17, and start in verse 31. It says, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And because of him, oh, excuse me, and Saul said to David, you are not able to fight against this Philistine, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when, they, when there came a lion or a bear 
and took the lamb from his flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go and let the Lord be with you. So David is out there telling them, Listen, guys, you got to step up and do something. And Saul hears about it. He says, you get him in here. And Saul tries to tell him, you can't fight him. Hey, little David, you can't fight this big guy. So David tells him about the things that he has done physically because that's the only way he's going to get through to Saul right now. He tells him while he was tending sheep, he killed both lions and bears because they attacked his flock. And then he compared the giant to one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. He starts with the physical because that's what's going to get through to Saul right now. If you look back in the previous chapter, it says the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. So right now, David goes in saying, uh, this is what I've done physically because that's what Saul's going to hear. If he goes in and says, Saul, you should be able to do this because the Lord is with you, he's not. And... If David starts saying, I can do it because the Lord is with me, I don't believe Saul would have heard that. So he starts with the physical, but then he goes into the spiritual. He credits the Lord for everything. Verse 37, and David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The Lord who delivered me. What is he saying here? Yes, my hands killed the lion and the bear. Yes, I went after them and struck them down but I didn't do it because I know how to kill lions. I did it because I know my God and his power. And I know if he called me to tend these sheep right now, that he's got my back when trouble comes. I can face the problem head on knowing that with the knowledge that God has called me to be here right now in this very time and he will be with me. Where did he learn that? Where did he learn about God? Where did he get to know God? When did he see God for who he truly is? When he was in the field tending sheep. When he was alone. When he had a lot of downtime just watching sheep. Right now during the quarantine, we've all had extra downtime. Have you spent the time getting to know your God? You might be thinking, it's not the same, though. You see, he was a shepherd before, so his life wasn't disrupted like my life was. I'm still focused on trying to get my life back to the way it used to be. I had nothing to worry about. If you go back to chapter 15, Samuel anointed a new king over Israel. You remember that? Where he said, Jesse, bring your sons out here. And they one by one said, no, no, no. He said, don't you have any more sons? And he said, yeah, I have one, but he's in the field with the sheep. So bring him here. And he anointed David king over Israel. That was two chapters before this happened. So at that point, he was at the highest point of his life so far. He had just been anointed the next king of Israel, and then he went back to tending the sheep. 
like nothing happened. But he knew the God, the plan that God's, the plans that God had for him. So he took advantage of that time, and he didn't make his own plans. He got to know God no matter what happened in the future. Whether he could handle it himself or not, he didn't have to worry because God can handle anything. If it was me, I would have gone back to those sheep, and the whole time I would have been sitting there going, man, what am I going to do when I'm the king? What am I going to build? What am I going to do? In fact, I probably would have gone and said, Dad, listen, you got anybody else that can watch the sheep? You know, like someone who's not in line for the throne here, just saying, maybe not me. But he didn't do that. He went back and did what his father asked. But he started to prepare. Just a side note here. If you're like me, your mind goes places. Um, David killed the lion, the bear, while he was uh, defending the sheep that his father put him in charge of. David's anointed king of Israel. Two chapters later, he kills the giant defending the Israelites who, two chapters prior, his heavenly father put him in charge of. A little food for thought. Well, what am I trying to say here? I'm saying don't waste the quarantine. Don't waste your time in the pasture with the sheep. Too often we waste a struggle because we're just trying so hard to push through and get to the other side of it and get it over with that we don't really care what happens in the meantime. We just want to get it behind us and forget all about it. But if we don't gain something from it, then that time was wasted. You remember the Israelites walking around in the wilderness for 40 years? God was taking them through the wilderness on the way to the promised land. It shouldn't have been a long trip, but they complained. It ended up taking them 40 years and an entire generation missed out on the promised land. They should have been preparing for the battle to come. For the great thing that God had planned for them. But they couldn't see past the struggle. They wanted it to be over so bad that at one point they even said, we'd rather be back in Egypt. We'd rather be back as slaves than be out here in the wilderness on the way to the promised land. They would rather be enslaved than go through the struggle. Why? Because they didn't have that relationship. Some of them had that relationship. Caleb had that relationship. You remember, Caleb was one of the 12 spies that initially went in, and he came back with a good report. And Ten of the others had a bad report, and they all convinced him, no, we can't do that. We can't go in here and take this. Caleb is like, yeah, listen, there's a lot of giants, and there's a lot of trouble, but hey, we got a bigger God. We can do it. And he tried to get him there, but the 10 overwhelmed everybody else. And one of my favorite passages in Scripture is in Joshua chapter 14. At the end of the 40 years, Caleb steps up, and he's going, listen, we are not doing this twice. I'm done with this. Joshua chapter 14, starting at verse 7, this is uh, Caleb speaking. It says, I was 40 years old when Moses 
The servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. I brought him back a report according to my convictions about my fellow Israelites, or but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go into battle as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Caleb is 85 years old now and he's saying, listen, let me at him. I'm not doing this twice. Yeah, I was 40 back then. Now I'm 80. Guess what? I'm as strong as I was then. I'll take him out myself if I have to. And it seems kind of silly to say, yeah, I'm 85 and I'll take all these guys out. But you know what? If he says he was as strong now as he was then, I bet he was. Because in that 40 years, his mindset wasn't, how do I get through this wilderness? How do I get through this? He wasn't just kicked back on the couch eating manna all day. He was saying, I bet he was training. I bet he was keeping in shape. He was training for the fight. He was preparing and getting ready because he knew the promise that God had given him, and he was not about to miss it twice. We serve a big God, unstoppable God, a God who is bigger than anything that is going on right now. He's bigger than a virus. He's bigger than racism. He's bigger than riots. He's bigger than all of it. And he's the answer to all of it. I mean, think about how big he is. In uh, Isaiah, it says the, the train of his robe filled the temple. The bottom of his robe filled the building. The bottom of his robe filled the building. His shirt wouldn't fit in this room. That's a big God. That is a huge God. And he's on our side. He's for us. We can look out and see a giant here, but what the Israelites couldn't see was who was behind them. It's way bigger than any nine-foot guy. He created that nine-foot guy. He could flick him out of there if he wanted to. But this God wants your full attention. But he's willing to give you his as well. It's like a child that wants your attention. Um, those of you who have little children, if you had little children, when they want your attention, you know it, right? Mommy, 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 daddy, 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 daddy. Uncle Timmy, Uncle Timmy, Uncle Timmy, Uncle Timmy, Uncle Timmy. Yeah, what, what, what? Watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. Are you watching? Are you watching? Watch me, watch me, watch me. Are you watching? Are you watching me? Are you watching? Are you watching? 
And then they do whatever they do. And then what do they say? Did you see that? Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see that? Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I videoed it. You did? I want to see it. Okay, here's the video. Here, watch it with me. Watch it with me. Watch this part. Watch this part. Watch this and watch this. Okay, you, I get it. You want my whole focus. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus is going to do it quite like that. But he's sitting there. He's going, Mike, 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 Doreen, Doreen. And so often we're going, yeah, in a minute. Yeah, just a second. Listen, it's not quite 1030. I already spent my time this morning. It's my time now. It's, it's evening. It's my time. It's time for my show. God's going, hey, up here. I got something for you. Yeah, well, kind of over on my God minutes for the month. Don't really have any God data left. I'm busy, God. I've only gotten through two seasons of Netflix this morning. I got one more to go. He wants all of you. My very favorite verse in the Bible. Very favorite. Jeremiah 29, 13. Talk about Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot. It's on a lot of things. I know the plans I have for you. And that's true and that's great. But we stop there and we don't go on to see what our part is. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. All of your heart. Not you'll find part of me if you seek me with part of your heart. You will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Not just by going to church. Not just by telling people that you're a Christian. He wants you to seek him with all of your heart. So you're telling me that if I don't surrender 100% of my life that I'm not a Christian? Is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. God said that. It wasn't me. If you want to find him, it takes all of your heart. There aren't pieces of God that you can get. There's one big God in three persons, and it takes everything you have to know him. It's so clear. It's, you have to serve him wholeheartedly. That's what I love about Caleb was back then it's a, he kept saying, listen, I was wholehearted in this. I was wholehearted in this. God says, I need all of your heart. Can I do it half-heartedly? Check again. Nope, still no. Whole heart. But we all try to do that. We all try to get away putting in most of our efforts. I want clean floors, but I don't want a vacuum. So I'll just pay something, somebody else to make something to do it for me. We can't do that with our spiritual life. The first, a lot of people, they hit that first struggle in life and they burn out. 
the parable of the sower goes over that. The seeds that are, that are sown and they spring up quickly and they burn up by the sun because they hit that first struggle and they die out. You know, the other day when I left for work, I turned on that vacuum and I got home. It had gone 10 feet. It got stuck on a fan and it just sat there and spun until the battery died. I just spent how much money for that much clean? But we do that so often. We hit that first obstacle, that first struggle, and we just go, okay, time out, pause. And God's going, no, 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 no. No, I've got big plans for you. There is no time out. Yesterday morning in my quiet time, I was reading in Revelation chapter 3. and I've read it many times, but reading it yesterday it hit me a little bit different just because of the time right now and the, and the situation that we're in. Revelation chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 1, to the angel of the church of Sardis write, These are the words to him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, and you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you are saying, hey, I, I've been wearing a Christian mask. I've been talking about it. I've been saying it, but I've not really been living it. And if that's you, I, I pray that you do get things right here with God today before you leave. But I feel like more likely for the rest of us that are here today, some part of us is dead. There's an area of our life that's not healthy and growing in the Lord. And to be honest, it's easier to hide it right now because we're not interacting with people as much. We have a lot more time in private so people can't see everything we're doing. I think we've also lowered our expectations. We've lowered our goals. If I tell somebody that I went for a bike ride yesterday, they say, oh, great, you're getting out. Good job. You know, you went for a bike ride. You know, big deal. I'm like, yeah, that is great. Yeah, yeah, I did do something great. Yeah, I did. I went for a 20-minute bike ride. I went home, sat on the couch for four hours and ate two bags of chips. I've lowered my expectations. I mean, it's a big deal now to go to the store. I went to Walmart and Hy-Vee today. Wow, I need to take a nap. I need a rest after I fully cleanse myself of everybody's breath and everything. But that's what we, we do. We've set these, the bar has been set lower right now. I went to church. And that's a big deal right now. You don't understand. I fought the virus to go to church. I watched online at home. I watched the whole thing. I didn't even get up and do something else while it was on. I watched the whole thing. Great. But that's not the end. It's really easy to make excuses right now. You want me to spend time with God every day alone? You don't understand. See, I've got these kids in the house. 
See, you understand, Mr. Single Guy gets to do whatever he wants, and it's quiet in the house, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, tell it to God. God, I've got these kids. Really? Seriously, you got kids? I had no idea. You mean those kids that you prayed for and you wanted me to give you and you promised me would not hinder our relationship? Those kids? Oh, yeah, those kids. But God, I'm out of work right now. I need to spend the entire day looking for a job. Oh, seriously, because I can't provide for you? So if you spend that extra hour a day with me, I can't provide that for you? Excuses don't work with God. And I'll tell you why. Because I think the greatest excuse of all time is right here in the Bible. Moses. God told Moses, you go talk to Pharaoh. You go tell him to let my people go. And Moses said, listen, God, I'm not a speaker. I stutter. I have a speech impediment. I can't. You want me to go to the most powerful man in the world, and I'm going to stutter my way through it? I think that's a valid excuse. If we were voting for who to go against to go up and talk to Pharaoh, I wouldn't have voted for him. I would have voted for somebody else who was a smooth talker. But God said, listen here. I made your mouth. Do you not think I know how it works? I made it. You know why I made it? Because I need you to use it. There's a reason I made your mouth that way. Are you saying I made a mistake, Moses? I can't spend extra time with you, God, because my kids are home. Oh, are you saying I made a mistake by giving you choking? No, I think you can find the time. You might be able to fool some of us or make excuses that people will accept, but God knows what he's asked of you. And he knows your situation. It's time to strengthen what remains. Address the areas in your life that are dead and allow him to breathe life back in. We have to take the focus off of us in a struggle and put it on God. So that when he says it's time for the next thing to happen, we're ready. The global church can come out of this quarantine time stronger than it's ever been before. If the people were training during this time. You wouldn't expect a boxer or a fighter to go to a fight that he didn't train for. We've got to be training, spiritual training. Um, all the sports right now are shut down. Football, baseball, everything is shut down. Uh, baseball is going to get started, I think, in July. And the thing is, we're going to find out who was training from home and who was not. I mean, if, if you see these guys getting paid $10 million, they hit the ball, they run to first base, and they're going, whoo, Oh, my. Then you're going to say, what were you doing the whole time when you were at home? Well, when the next thing that God's got for your life comes up and you're going, oh, God, wow, that's big. Whoa. Whoo. You say, what were you doing? You had three months at home where you had all this extra time. What were you doing? There's a verse in the book of Esther that 
Mordecai is responding to Esther, and it's one that um, we use uh, quite often now in the church, I feel like. But I think it's really, really, uh, it just really fits right now. It's Esther chapter 4, verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come into the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. God puts you on the earth right now for a purpose. There's a reason that you're here right now. The Bible says he knew you before he put you in your mother's womb. We sang that this morning. He knew your name before you were born. He knew you. He didn't say, oh my gosh, well, let's see. Here comes another one. Let's figure out what that one's for. He said, listen, in 2020, a lot of weird things are going to happen. So I need to make sure I've got the right people on the earth for this. So 20 years before that, I'm going to create this person. 30 years before that, I'm going to create this person. 50 years before that, I'm going to create this person. Because they're all going to come together, and there's going to be a purpose and a reason for it. There is a reason that God's got you on the earth during 2020 with all this mess. I, I ask myself that question all the time. God, why am I here? I've been around. I came back to Esterville. Why am I here, God? Why am I here? What's next, God? Where am I going? I don't know yet, but what am I doing? Right now, I'm training. Because whatever he's got coming up for me, I want to be ready. So I'm going to train. Why am I here right now? I don't know. Maybe I'm moved back to this area for this very day to give this very word, to encourage you to be ready for what God's got for you. Maybe you're going to go out and do something great. Maybe God's got some huge plans for you, and you needed a little spurring on today. Maybe that's why I'm here. I don't know. Maybe that's why you're here. I don't know. See, now I'm checking the clock, doggone it. There's a guy by the name of Mordecai Ham. Was an evangelist speaker, was not. At the time, he was fairly well known, but he wasn't very successful. Didn't have a lot of numbers, you know, as far as people getting saved. Did, however, have one guy who got saved one night by the name of Billy Graham. Now, on the other side of that, Billy Graham had a huge ministry. Saw a ton of people come to the Lord. But he himself said it would never have happened if it wasn't for Mordecai Ham, Because I went and heard him, and he introduced me to Jesus. Sometimes we're the the end of the road, sometimes we're the middle. We're the ones that plant the seeds, water the seeds, harvest the seeds. We're one of those three. I don't know who I am right now, why I'm here, but I'm putting it out there. I mean, one of you guys could do something amazing. Maybe God's got something amazing for me. I want to be ready when the time comes. God puts you here for a reason. If you use this time wisely, use it to get closer to him, not only will you be able to hear his plan, 
when he tells you, but you'll be prepared to fulfill his plan. I hope you come out of quarantine with a closer relationship with Jesus, not just a closer relationship with Netflix, because it gets to know you because it starts recommending stuff. That's how you know you're watching too much Netflix if everything it recommends you've already seen because you ran out of Netflix. What are you going to tell people in 10, 20 years when they say, what was it like in 2020? When your kids, grandkids ask you, what was 2020 like? What are you going to say? Stores were out of toilet paper. Everybody was wiped out. Had to use a newspaper. The times were rough. Is that what you're going to tell them? Are you going to say, you know what, there was a lot of weird stuff going on. A lot of things happened, but I can tell you this much. I remember 2020 because in 2020, I got so close to Jesus that when this next thing happened in my life, I was so prepared for it. I was so ready. God did big things in 2020. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't revert back to the comfortable. Don't fall back into the rut. We all want to get back into a routine. We want to get back to the way things used to be. But don't let your relationship with Jesus just fall right back into that. Because I know I've set my stuff up. I've got a routine. I get up at this time in the morning. I read my Bible. I do this. I do that. I do it exactly like this. And working from home threw all of that out of the window. And I had to make a point to make sure that I was in this word. And like Jenny said, I had to be in there more. I had more time. Why wouldn't I give some of it to the Lord? Only makes sense. If I had more money, I'd give him more of that. Why wouldn't I do the same with my time? Don't go back to comfortable. Set a new precedent. Set a new normal relationship with Jesus. Stronger, closer than ever. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity we have, God, to spend time with you. God, that you want to be with us. That you want to give us your full attention. God, it's that you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, is saying, I will let you come face to face and talk to me. God, I pray that you will direct us, lead us, guide us through this time, Lord. God, as we train, as we read our Bibles, we talk to you. God, as we build that strength and that relationship up for whatever the plans you have for the future, God. Jesus, let us be ready. Let us unite together and accomplish great things for the kingdom. Father God, I thank you so much. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I made it by noon, just in case you're wondering. Not as early as we have been, but eh, what are you going to do? Um, we're back on schedule now, as far as I know. Next week, we're having service. We're, we're good to go. We'll notify you if anything changes. Um, pastor will be coming back soon. Keep him in, in your prayers. Make sure that he gets back safe and doesn't encounter any issues there. Uh, 
you know, love you guys. Uh, take care. Have a great week. Get in the word. Get built up. Get your training going. New training regimen here. So, amen. Amen. Have a great day.